Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. We are starting into a new series tonight. For those of you who weren't here last week, we basically started out by saying, let's go back to the basics, and let's just get to the heart of things. Let's talk about what is our relationship with God. And if you remember, and you were taking good notes last week, for those of you who do that, we said that this churchy word salvation, this relationship with God, what that really means is a delight-filled relationship with a fantastic Heavenly Father. And we talked all about our delight in God and God's delight in us, and it was a fabulous time. Tonight, we're going to say, okay, in light of that relationship being true, how do we live it out? And that's kind of where we're going. How do we live that out? In the next few weeks, what we are going to do is we are going to start taking a look at some difficult areas that we come across in our lives that cause us to make choices and to figure things out. There are choices of how do we live? What do we do with our lives that the Lord has given us? And how do we know what's wrong? And how do we know what's right? And how do we know what's good? And how do we know what's bad? And those things can be tricky. And what does God have to say about that? But all of that is couched in this idea of our relationship with God. So we're going to talk over the next few weeks about some of these tricky things. We're going to talk about the future, fears of the futures, the anxieties we have about How do we know that we're getting the future right? And what does God have for our future? Can we trust it? We're going to talk about sex and sexuality and gender, confusing things in our society. We're going to talk about what is the role of feelings? How much do we trust them? Do we listen to them? Do we not listen to them? We're going to talk about how to navigate difficult people and how to love well and and different things like that, things that we are presented with in our life that aren't always clear. The title is this, God is Good. God is good. With a backdrop of understanding that if we're going to talk about all these hard questions, God's heart and God's character are good. Now, we wrestled with actually this title. We didn't know what to call it. What were we going to call it? And we ended up with this one because we said, you know what? When we start talking about crazy hard choices and confusing things in our world, let's talk about the thing that doesn't change. And that's this, that God is good, that God is for us, that his character doesn't change, and, and we can trust that. But this is awfully countercultural, and let me explain. Let's do it this way. When I say the word obedience, what comes into your mind? Just shout out an answer or two. What kind of feeling or what kind of thought does that word produce in you? Parents, what? Come on now, say it. It's dark. No one sees who you are. It'll be anonymous. Just shout it out. Rules. Submission. Hmm. Not fun. Thank you for that honesty from the very dark part of the room over there. Very anonymous. Any more? A dog. Okay, I get that. All right, when I say the word command, 
What feeling or what kind of words pop into your head? Shout some out. A dog. <laughs> this is great. What else? Orders. Hierarchy, okay. Authority. Yeah. Most of these words that I'm hearing you say in our American culture have a negative connotation. They didn't always, but a lot of times now they do. If you are like most people, when you hear words like obedience and command and some of the other responses that you just shouted out at me, you kind of have a mixed reaction at best because we live in a culture that doesn't like the idea of obedience or conscription or anything that would limit us, right? We have equated, we've taken our cultural value of freedom and equated it with love. And this idea that we actually define love now in our culture as a lack of limit for anything I want to do, a lack of restraint. We've just kind of taken it to these ridiculous extremes. The worst thing we can do in our culture's eyes is say that someone's behavior should be limited. As a matter of fact, when we, when we say things like that or talk about right and wrong or talk, talk about good and bad, sometimes in our culture that becomes an attack on a person's very identity. It becomes, it gets called hatred, this idea that, well, maybe there's some things we shouldn't do. And yet, throughout our culture, there are consistent assumptions that there are some things that we shouldn't do. And most of them, most of those morals as they were, are borrowed from Christianity. Even though, at the same time, most of us in our culture are trying to run away from them. Now, here's the big problem with that. That kind of cultural idea does not provide a good framework for living. It's not very practical. It leads to a moral anarchy and honestly to anxiety because y'all, having to make up right and wrong as you go, having to do trial and error with your life, having to, to input all the meaning in your life and create your own meaning for your own existence, that's a lot of pressure. Well, no wonder we feel anxious all the time. No wonder we feel like life is so heavy and scary all the time because look what we're being asked to do with it. Here's the good news, though. Following God is a safe place because God is good. And here's the passage that is going to kind of undergird what we're going to do over the next few weeks that gives us the right perspective on God's goodness. It's from Isaiah 48, <clears throat> out of the Old Testament. You'll see it on the screen up there. This is what the passage says. It says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands... Your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea, your descendants would have been like the sand, your children like its numberless grains, on and on. Then in verse 22, near the end of the passage, it says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. I love this passage. I think the first time I ever saw this passage was when I was in college. And I adore this passage because this passage gives me great confidence in my life. And it has set me on a road to very healthy peace 
in my mind. Now, we can kind of see, what does the passage say? What is God's heart toward us? It's our best. God's heart toward us is he wants our best. And God is good. God is for us. And because of that, he teaches us and directs us. So the principle actually is really simple. God knows what's best. And that's because he's our creator, right? He made us. He knows how we work, in other words. He knows what's good for us. He knows what's bad. He also made creation. He made this whole universe and designed it. And it works a certain way. And that's in his wisdom. And because of that, he knows what things work in this creation of his and what things don't work in his creation of his because they're intended. Because he is that creator, because he is high, because he is lofty, because he is wise and knowledgeable and all those things, he then says, listen to me. And his heart in saying that is good toward us because God is good. Now, when we say God is good, we don't just mean well, we have an idea of good, and we compare God to it, and God measures up, so we check the box and say, okay, he's good. No, it's, it's actually the other way around. When we talk about God as good, we mean God is the essence of good. God is good himself. His character is goodness. He established goodness. He designed it. He defines it. He is the one that speaks good to us. He teaches us and tells us what that good is. And that's very comforting to us because then we don't have to figure it out, right? Now, when God tells us what to do and what not to do, it is because he has this heart for us. He wants our best and he knows what is best. So in a sense, it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys had this, but when I was a little kid and I would like run out and want to go play, whether it was roller hockey in my driveway or throwing the football or riding my bike with the upright handlebars way up here, and the streamers that came out from them. It's just like the old TV shows. I would go out of the house, and the last thing that my mom would say to me is, don't play in the street. Have you guys heard that? Did you hear that growing up? Right? I hear some, I see some head nodding, right? Mom would say, don't play in the street. And of course, I would say, mom, because I wanted to play in the street, because like there was more room out there that we could run around. And she's like, don't play in the street. Now, why did your mom tell you not to play in the street? Well, duh, because you might get hit by a car. Mom knew best. And me, as a little seven-year-old, didn't always know best. And so mom would continually tell me that. And God's heart is kind of like that. His commands to us have that kind of heart behind them because he loves us and knows what's best. He wants what's best for us. And if you look in this passage, he says there's a result to that. Look at verse 18. It says, if you had only paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Now, the river and the waves of the sea, these are, these are po poetic pictures of abundance. Think of the Mississippi and all that water flowing down, right? Think of the sea and how vast it is and how much water there is there. God's saying your peace would be like that. If you just listened to me, <laughs> if you just trusted my heart for you, you would have so much peace in your life. And then you have verse 22, which is a contrast. What does that say? At the very end, it says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. No peace. Now, who are these wicked people? Who are the wicked? That sounds like a very kind of judgmental, churchy kind of word. 
Well, the wicked in this case would be those who would resist listening to what the Lord has to say, right? In other words, the wicked are the people who, who God says, don't do this, and they fold their arms and they say, no, I'm going to do it my way, right? They're the people who won't listen. In other words, who are they? They're us, right? It's you and me. We have all done that before in our lives. We have all been in that place when we know God wants us to be a certain way or to do a certain thing or to listen to him, and we're just like, no, no, I don't want to, and we just want to go our own way, and sometimes with very serious consequences. But what is the consequence? No peace. When we go against God's good heart for us, when we are stiff-necked and we don't listen, the result is no peace. We have anxiety. There are painful consequences. We hurt ourselves. We hurt other people. We are afraid. On and on. Now, let's stop right there just for a sec. Because I want to see how that lands on you. Because now it seems like we've kind of shifted gears a little bit, doesn't it? Because does this sound like kind of strict religion? Does this sound like moralism? I mean, are we just back to talking about, oh, do good things and good will happen to you, do bad things and bad will happen to you? Is that kind of where we've come? It feels that way to us, I think, because we're so sensitive about it. But it's actually not, and we have to get this right. And there's two reasons why it is not that. It is not about measuring up and making God like you and meeting the standards and such like that. Number one is because we have to remember, we have a relationship with God. Not just this, this rules association. And that relationship is a relationship of delight. Now, I'm not talking about that tonight because we talked about that all last week. And if you're traveling home from California, get on Spotify and listen to our podcast from last week. You'll love it. It's great. It's a great, great understanding of the delight that we have with the Lord in our relationship. And because it's relationship, it's not that kind of religion of rule keeping. But the second thing is... It feels like that to us because we don't properly understand God's commands and their intent. We just need to have a better understanding of when we hear a command from God. What is the heart behind it? What should it feel like? In other words, right? Look at one more passage with me. Another passage I really love. Deuteronomy 10. And this is, this is from the Old Testament when Moses is standing before Israelites and giving them the law of Moses, right? The, these, all these commands that are in the Old Testament, including the Ten Commandments. And we hear all those laws and commands, we just think do's and don'ts. But I want you to listen to the heart of this passage that Moses says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, and to walk in his ways, and love him, and serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And to observe the Lord's command and decrees that I am giving you today, what? For your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affections on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore. Don't be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. 
You see, when we think of commands and we hear, oh, you've got to keep all these laws, you've got to keep all these commands, we think of standards that you have to meet to please God. Okay, actually, there's a reason that our hearts feel that. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, a little theological aside here. And that is because there are multiple purposes to the law or the commands of God. If you ever go to seminary and you study these kinds of things, theologians refer to them as the first use of the law and the second use of the law. So if you read Luther or Calvin or people like that, you will hear these phrases. The first use of the law is that it's a mirror. In other words, it shows us who we are. When we see all God's commands and then we see, I can't keep them, it reveals to us that actually we are rebellious and evil. In other words, it's a mirror. It shows us we need a savior. And that's the first use of the law. But there's a second use of the law, and the second use of the law is more of what we're talking tonight. And the second use of the law is this. Why did God give us commands? Go back one slide if you would. There we go. It says in verse 13, observe the Lord's commands and decrees I'm giving you today for your own good. See the heart? God's commands are good. The purpose of the law is to teach us. The purpose of the law is to put us in a good place. It's to give us peace. It's to make us safe. It's a safe place for us. And that's what we call the second use of the law. And you can see that God pleads with us again in this passage, just like the Isaiah passage. Verse 14, he says, go to the, there it says, to the Lord belong the heavens, even the highest heavens. In other words, I'm God. I created the universe. Don't you get it? Don't you see I'm wise over all these things? I know. I know what's best. I have the knowledge you need. I created the world in my wisdom, which is what the whole book of Proverbs is about. And when you go against it, it doesn't work right. It's like swimming upstream. But when you go with the way I created it, there's peace. And then in verse 15, in the next one, he says, he has set his affection on us. Gave you these commands and I set my affection on you. I love you. My heart is good toward you. And then in the next verse, he says, So, don't be stiff-necked. Listen to me. It's that same spirit we read in the Isaiah passage. My commands are good for you. If you would only listen to me, the result would be peace. But we tend to not get the message. I know I very often don't. And so we fight. And we kind of kick against it and we struggle and we say but God I want to have sex with my girlfriend I want to look at pornography God says no that's not what I made it for I didn't make it to work that way if you do that you are going to harm yourself and we say but God I like money and toys and I want to be rich one day and God says no be content with what I give you everything else that you chase just leads to emptiness and disappointment And we say, but God, I like getting drunk and using drugs, and I like how it makes me popular. And God says, no, I told you alcohol and your body were gifts. Be content in my love for you. Because if you abuse them, you're only going to get hurt. His heart for us continues to be that even when we continue to struggle. Now, those examples are relatively easy. We can talk about those pretty quickly. And we have talked about them in here before. But there are lots of messages in our culture that aren't that easy. And those are the ones we're going to talk about over the next four or five weeks. But as we get into it, 
And as we talk about some of these difficult things, there is just one thing we want you to remember that lies underneath all of it. And that is, say it with me, God is good. Pray with me. Lord, you are good. We declare it. Lord, your heart for us is kind. Your heart for us is good. Father, I praise you and thank you that we can trust you, that you delight in us, that you are not here to condemn us, but you are here to save us, that you desire us. Lord, I praise you and thank you that, um, that you have created the world in wisdom, that we do not live in a chaos, but that there is a meaning and there is a purpose, there is a direction to um, our lives. We praise you, Lord, that you've given us your Holy Spirit, that you've given us wisdom to come to know you, that we can see the direction of our lives, and that your word is a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet, that we can have wisdom, that that we can see that there is light and life in, in the Savior, Jesus, it says in John 1, and that life is the light of men, that it is for us, that it directs us and teaches us. Lord God, I rejoice in your word. I rejoice that you teach us your ways because your ways are good and they make sense of this chaos that we live in. Father God, I pray that you would give us a wisdom to understand what you say to us. I pray that you would give us a wisdom to submit to it. Um, Lord, that you would, would gently break our wills so that our will would be in line with your will. And Lord, I pray that you would, over the next few weeks, that you would exalt yourself, that you would raise yourself in our sight, that we could see how beautiful you are and how wise you are and how good you are and that you'd be pleased and that you'd be glorified. Lord, be pleased with the songs that we're going to sing, with the prayers that we're going to utter, with the worship that, that we came here to give you for the rest of this night. Amen.